Thanks so much for taking the time to join me in The Rundown with Ramon. My name is Ramon Ray, and you can get to know me better at RamonRay.com. Definitely DM me on Instagram. Let me know how you're liking The Rundown with Ramon, what we can do better, what topics you want. You can DM me on Instagram at RamonRaySmartHustle. In this version of Rundown with Ramon, I talked to Dr. Janie Lacey, a trauma specialist and more, who helped us understand about the mind and how the mind works and emotions and things of that nature. And she helped us understand six methods for effectively setting family boundaries. Now, it's one thing to talk to people who don't work with you, or excuse me, one thing to work with people who work with you, but are not your family, people who are kind of outside relations. But when it's your family, your mama, your father, your uncle, your aunt, your nephew, those are a little different. Six things we talked about. Consider opting out. Redirect the conversation. Flip the script. Use your body language. Stop inappropriate comments in their tracks and nip interrupters in the butt. So you're going to enjoy this conversation to give you some really simple techniques you can use when conversations may not go the right way that you like them. Again, thanks for listening to and watching The Rundown with Ramon. Check out the interview just right now with Dr. Janie Lacey. Hey, Dr. Janie Lacey, thanks for joining me here for an episode of The Rundown with Ramon. And who knows, maybe it'll be streamed to other networks as well by the time people see this. But Dr. Jenny Lacey, I've learned a lot from you on some mutual platforms we're on. I appreciate you. And how is your day going so far? The day today as we talk, how are you today? I am doing wonderful. I'm breathing. I'm blessed. And I got more to give. So that's yes. why I'm here. <laughs> yes, indeed, we all do. Dr. Jenny, before we jump right into the discussion today, I want to talk about what I call conversations. But let me look back at my note. What piqued my interest in particular, you're doing an episode uh, and talking about family boundaries. It happened to be near the holiday times, Thanksgiving, et cetera. But when I heard you speak, Dr. Jenny, I was like, wow, this advice is so good because whether it's holidays or close friends or church or people close to you, sometimes people don't say things they don't mean to hurt you. Sometimes they do. But you gave such great advice of some comebacks and not your mom jokes, not dissing people back. You didn't go there, <laughs> but it was great what you said. Before we dive into Dr. Jenny, can you just spend some time talking about some of the work you do as one who's referred people to you? I know you have some program for ladies and other things, so please spend a minute or two just introducing yourself to people, what your body of work is. I know people can see you on TV from time to time. Brag a bit, please, if you don't mind yep, for the absolutely. audience. Thanks, Ramon. So I wear many hats. Yes. Um, I'm a licensed psychotherapist by trade, and I'm a CEO of Life Counseling Solutions. We have a team of specialists who are licensed to do what they do in our group practice. And I'm also a faculty member with the International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals. Basically what that means is I train other professionals. But the fun stuff is I have a show, Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey, and appearing on Court TV, getting ready to, can't necessarily name the show yet, but I'm gonna be at a big show that I'll be filming for two and a half weeks in January working with couples and doing interventions on camera with couples. So I'm very excited about that project and I can't wait to release that um, once we get the release date of it because I believe it's going to create a broader audience. So my mission and my goal in life is to help people not only heal from toxic relationships that they can thrive in their love and their life and just their mental health and their business, but also to destigmatize mental health, especially sometimes in our Black community and our high achiever community. So we have a lot of different things that um, I believe once we unlock it, it opens up the possibilities for so many things in our life because our true wealth is our mental health. If we don't have our mental health, we have nothing. Um, in 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 my uh spell in my spirit of influence. Yes. 
No, absolutely. You definitely do a lot of things. And I'm so glad to get to know you. And thanks for spending time here. Before I jump into what I want to talk about, I we will get to that. Make me before we end this. Say, Ramon, stop. We haven't gotten to what you said you <laughs> want to talk about. But talking with you opens up so many other good discussions I want to have. And we've talked about this before in past episodes. But I think it's good. Again, can you talk a little bit, a little bit about how you define mental health or what it is for the layperson? And here's, I guess, my question. Myself, Doctor Janie, we've talked a little bit. And you get, you know, me a bit. You know, I, I know I have issues with maybe my dad. I wish he would have loved me not more, but differently. You know, he was a hard charging man or and maybe that affects how I do today just talking to my wife today she said Ramon I'll keep I'll, I'll save her privacy but she, she said you can improve on some things and it could be from my past that is mental that is health but then you have people respectfully I say this who have some serious my layperson's words jacked up issues serious issues debilitating issues can you just help us understand mental health is there spectrums what does that mean for the layperson what does that mean so every single one of us, if we're breathing, Ramon, we have mental health as we do physical health. So mental health is made up of our thoughts. It's made up of our belief systems. And it's also made up of our emotional health, which is our feeling system. It's neither good or bad. But what happens is a lot of times people intertwine mental illness with mental health. So when we hear you need a mental health checkup as we do a physical health checkup, when I go to the doctor to take care of my physical health, there may be nothing wrong with me, but I'm going to get a checkup, get my blood pressure, all the things so that I know I'm on the right track. So when we get our mental health checkup, sometimes there doesn't necessarily have to be anything wrong with us, so to speak. It's just, you know what, this is what's going on in my life. And I just want to check and see if I'm on the same path as my goals that I want to achieve, right? It could be something as simple as that. But when we look at mental illness, this is where we're dealing with depression, we're dealing with anxiety, mm -hmm. we're dealing with you know, disorders where people have different ways of having to interact with when it comes to medication, when it comes to therapy in order to be at their best self. And as we know, at the time of um, our, our time of talking right now, right, nationally, there's been a Black man who is very highly known in society. And a lot of questions that are coming my way, Ramon, is how can someone be so happy and always smiling and laughing and have uh, three kids and have a wife? And it looks like they have a perfect life. And what I always say is easy to judge when we're on the outside. It's easy to look at someone and say all of these things, but mental illness has no color. Mental illness does not have a income bracket. Mental illness doesn't have, doesn't care if you have six children, if you have no children, it is an internal battle. It is an internal system. And the very fact that we have that judgmental system keeps people in secrecy and keeps people in shame because if we're saying that, imagine what someone is saying to themselves is that mm -hmm. what's wrong with me? I have it all together. Nobody understands the internal battle and the dark, black, endless hole that someone deals when it comes to depression. And unless someone has truly understood, meaning that they actually went through mental disorders or mental illness, they don't necessarily, they're not the ones going to be making those judgments. So if you're in a room full of people and it's amazing and pay attention you know, as you're listening and watching this, is that when you're in a room and you talk about mental illness, the people who are the most quiet are the ones are the ones who usually understand, mm. right? The ones who are the loudest in the room are judgmental, right? Sometimes they're in their, what I call sometimes their delusional state. Oh, that doesn't apply to me, right? Or they have yet to encounter um, someone with mental illness or acknowledged it or, or fall into these stigmas that we have, especially sometimes in the Black community, there's still these stigmas that are there and they go down from, you know, generational trauma, yeah. in my opinion. So when we're dealing with mental health. Every single one of us has it. It's our thoughts. It's our beliefs. It's how we mm -hmm. feel about ourselves. It's our outlook on the world, right? It's our happy. It's all those things. Mental illness 
is when we're looking at the DSM, we're looking at a criteria that puts people in depression, anxiety are common ones that people understand, even obsessive compulsive disorders, you know, addictions, you know, so we're looking at that there are certain things that are going to prevent people from operating from their highest self um, in, in, our, in our world. And when we look at one in five people are diagnosed with mental illness every day, right? So we know someone, even if we don't know them, that they are that they're struggling with mental illness. So my call for people is to be more compassionate, to be, be less judgmental, and to be more curious. Because when we're curious about someone's perspective and their world, it removes their judgment. So as we're looking at, you know, um, twitches and what's happened with his family, you know, the best thing I can tell people is to remove judgment. And what you see is not always what's really going on. So once we remove judgment, we make it safe to have these conversations around mental illness and mental health then more people will feel, won't be as ashamed to go and ask for help, yeah. right? Just as we go to physicians, we have therapists, we have um, psychologists, we have psychiatrists. And it's from the religious community. God puts all of those people in our spirit of atmosphere to say, knock, knock, God, are, are you answering me? Yes, he's answering you. He's giving you the people around you to help you move forward in your community. No, I love that. And Janie Lee, thank you so much. And I think we'll, we'll dive into this, but I encourage all of you to follow Dr. Janie. Listen, I'm not an expert in this, but I've learned so much from Dr. Janie. I'm happy to call her a friend and just from her IG and other things she does. So thank you uh, for, for your gift to the world because you just hearing you over the last, what, year or more, whatever it's been, has opened my eyes to my own issue, my family and other friends. So Dr. Janie, I think what we'll do here, uh, having said that, even though there's a smile on my face, that's how I work. This is a serious issue, but we'll do it Jeopardy style. What I'm going to do, I think there were six things I recall, and I have it in front of me, ways that you talked about, and feel free to pause and reset it if, if you want to say it differently, but I heard it, like how to respond to conversations. People say some things, and I'll say one to you. I was joking. I'm in a community, and uh, my Caribbean friends, and sometimes they greet me, boy, good morning, you're getting fat, you know, things like that, getting fat is what I said, or other things that people may say, let's assuming they have the best intent, but it hurt. And so that's what gets piqued my interest. And you gave a six, according to my editorial team, how they put it together, six ways that you could have an interesting comeback. So if it's okay with you, and if I said that right, I'll just reply, say these comebacks to you, and maybe you can unpack, here's what this means, and here's how you can use this tool. Is that am I on the right track? Sound good. good. Mm -hmm. Here we go. So one is, and again, everybody, we're talking about when you're in those situations, often with family and friends, strangers, that's a whole nother scale. You can just walk away or do some talk to other people who study other things. But for your family and friends, you may want to respond differently. So one thing you said, Dr. Janie, consider opting out. You don't have to participate in every single conversation as what Janie Lacey has said. Unpack that force a bit. What is that comeback? Opting out. Talk to us about that. You know, first, let me say this. Boundaries and taking care of ourselves can be very difficult, especially if it's someone who's familiar to us. If it's family or it's friends or it's church or it's work. So this is the time where it actually builds our muscle. So mm -hmm. when we're in these situations with familiar people and we build our muscle because it's easier to do these things with strangers. But when it comes to the people who we love and we care about what they think, it's building our muscle to be able to have boundaries. Boundaries is to say, you know what, I'm gonna protect my mental health and I'm gonna protect my space. And when I opt out, that means I'm not going to participate. And sometimes that can be, and this is a basic example that a lot of people can relate to. If you're in a workplace or even a church or even in your own family system where you're gossiping yes. about someone who's not in the room and they're talking about, okay, well, you know what happened with Ramon? Let me tell you what happened with Ramon. And Ramon's not in the room. And you, your value system is that you don't participate in gossip because you also know those that will gossip are probably going to gossip about you. <laughs> 
so that's where you can opt out in the conversation. You can say, you know what, excuse me, I need to go to the bathroom or depending on the, on the setting, I need to get a, a glass of water, right? Or you can just literally just excuse yourself, excuse me, right? And then leave the conversation. You don't have to be rude. Sometimes it's difficult for people because they feel like they have to be aggressive or, you know, they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but you will abandon yourself and your principles and your values for everybody else. And that's more of a self issue that when we understand what our values and our systems are, we don't have to be mean. We can mm-hmm. bow out of that conversation and then it doesn't have to fall upon our ears and we don't have to replay it later and feel guilty. And then we don't have to worry about that person who everyone's gossiping about finding out that, you know, Ramon was in the room when this conversation was happening. Right? So you protect your reputation, you protect yeah. your mental health. And most importantly, you are aligned with your own values and principles. I love that. And I like what you're saying, Dr. Jandy, because I see, I would have thought you're saying, Excuse me, Dr. Janey, um, I don't gossip, so I'm going to head over there. To, but you're saying, no, 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 you don't even have to do all that. Just bow out. So thank you for that moment of clarity. Love it. Okay. So that was consider opting out. Another one you talked about, Dr. Janey, redirect the conversation. How do you do it? Why do you do it? When would you do it? Talk to us about redirecting the conversation. There are times where we can find ourselves in conversations with people where they're asking us questions that we don't want to answer. They're asking us the questions that, frankly, Ramon, it's none of their business, or we're asking, or they're asking us questions or things that we feel uncomfortable. But what I'll tend to see, especially with the families I work with, depending on who's asking the question, they feel obligated to just answer. And then later they're thinking, well, why did I tell them that? And then it just leaves them down this spiral. So again, your principle can be that whatever someone asks you a question that you don't feel comfortable with, it's frankly none of their business, or you're not even ready to discuss that, is you do not have to respond to them, Mm -hmm. right? But sometimes a little girl and a little boy in us that's still healing feels like, okay, someone's asking me a question. I got to give an answer. No, we're the woman and the man has to show up to say, you know what? I can still show someone with respect. I can still treat them with dignity, but I can say, you know what? I'm not ready to talk about that. But anyway, how is that job going for you? I Mm -hmm. heard, you know, I heard Ramon that you have a new job and I would love to hear about it. That's a redirect, right? I I acknowledged, but I pivoted and then I went to a different direction. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you think our politicians uh, have have redirect training? Because I was I'll never forget the interview with Colin Powell, which would have been 20 something years ago during the first Iraq war, like 20, 30 when I was a kid. No, many years ago now, you know, that. So, uh, General Powell, how many soldiers went here? Thank you so much. As I said before, we love uh, Australia and we're helping them with rice. Uh, General Powell, can you tell us how many sorties are flying into Iraq? Thank you so much for that question. As I said before, it's a sunny day today, and I hope all of you hug your kids. I mean, he was doing that in my mind for like four hours. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about, right, Dr. Jamie? Absolutely, absolutely. And to your point, if we watch television, especially people in leadership positions, in political positions, they do it all the time. And next thing you know, you're like, they didn't even answer the question. (laughs) And they didn't derail the interview. They're on live TV. You know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Biden, whoever it is, asking some personal, usually off the chain question. Thank you so much, Dr. Janie. And so, you know what? As I said 100 years ago, I love America. And I'm so glad to be here in the studio. Mm -hmm. So love it, Dr. Janie. All right, number three. Uh, flip the script. What's that all about? This is a good, someone persisting, persisting. I'm reading here what you shared with us being intrusive. This flip the script. What is that all about? And how can that be a, a different tool, it seems here? You know, sometimes people can be, and they don't, and I have to say this, most of the time people don't realize they're doing it. They're being persistent on whatever they want to talk about. They're being very intrusive, 
And sometimes if you flip it, sometimes we hear this in, in terms of like narcissistic abuse mm -hmm. and gaslighting. I'm not talking about dysfunctional things. Let me just um, say that. Sure. This is a way where you're flipping it back on them, where they may be asking you something that can be otherwise offensive. Well, why would you ask me that? You can say it with this mouth. Well, why would you ask me that? You know, or, or why would you want to know that? Yes. And the way that your tone, your presentation and how you flip it back on them is what matters, right? Because sometimes people say, well, that's really aggressive. Well, it's not aggressive if you do it in a way that you're in control of your emotions, you're not being aggressive. It's not about being confrontational because it's all about your presentation and your tone. And when you listen to, and I would imagine you personally, Ramon, would know this, when you speak, when you watch, you know, professional speakers, you watch people who are in high political positions, mm -hmm. as we're talking about, they do this all the time. And it's their tone and their presentation. Yes, we can all point out the confrontational ones. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about effective communicators. When you're looking at effective communicators, they know how to put that block on and let you know that you're being inappropriate without even saying you're being inappropriate, right? You know, when you ask, when you just turn it back on someone and you're, you, well, why would you ask me that? Then they usually go off. And if you watch this in interviews, they actually answer the question. Well, yeah. most people, blah, blah, blah. And then they go off and off and people love to hear themselves talk. And then before you know it, because they're talking about and explaining themselves, because you put them on a defensive, they're defending themselves. Before you know it, they never usually come back and ask the question again, because there's another question that gets picked up in their uh, defensive response. So when you're listening to effective communicators, they do it very well and very respectfully. And we I all love this. can learn that. Yes, for sure. And I think, Dr. Janney, one of the things I've observed as well, uh, through a mutual friend of ours, we were talking about something and they did this to me. I didn't realize that they were this smart doing it. But now that I'm hearing, I'm like, they did that to me. <laughs> but it did give them because if it was negative or whatever, we could have done what you did, moved on, not addressed it. But I think it gave them better clarity. You say something, you know, I forgot exactly you're trained to do it. But so, Ramon, you know, what is it? Flip, help me flip the script like what I'm. Can we why do it now? I'm trying to. Uh, why, why would you ask me that? Or why uh, would you want to know that? Right. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was just curious because my, my my best friend has a blue shirt too. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. So my point is, then it gave them clarity. Oh, it wasn't negative. Oh, and then they answered it. It was interesting when they asked that, they gave a bit of pause. Oh, he's asking because he really likes my shoes and wanted to. So I find sometimes, is, could that happen as well? That then it gives you a Absolutely. chance to clarify the tone and the spirit of the person. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 100%. Because yeah. it doesn't have to be negative, right? right? It can it can feel it can feel a little porcupineish to you because of your frame of reference with whatever the topic is, but they truly can be coming from a genuine, innocent place. But the very fact that when you flip it back on them, to your point, they can be and they might, oh yeah, well you know what this is why I I don't like the color blue, blah 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 blah, right? And then it goes down a whole different path versus because each and every one of us when we communicate. We all have filters. So I'm going to have a filter based off of my experiences in life, my belief system, any traumas, any unresolved business that I haven't taken care of yet. And it's going to go through that filter. So you can be good willing and be very innocent, but it's going to go through my filter. And I'm hearing red alert, red alert, because of what we call euphoric recall. Euphoric recalls, I've had experience with that in the past, mm -hmm. but it was negative. Yes. So now that it's coming at me again, I'm feeling the same. And so my frame of reference has ding, ding, this is a negative experience. And that's giving you an opportunity for the person to say, you know, hey, I just like the color blue. And then, right, okay, it's not the negative experience I thought. It's innocent. <laughs> yes. This is a good one, Dr. Janie. By the way, before I even say what this one is, I think it's number five or so, is that uh, whenever you create your app, the Dr. Janie Lacey app, and you need an actor to do the nonverbal part, I want you to call me. You can hire me. I'll give you my best rate, Dr. Janie. So this one is... <laughs> Use your, 
body language. I'm curious. I'm just making it up. I'm, I'm imagining there's no verbal word. It could be. You're the expert. I'm having fun here. And it's like something you're doing is conveying something. But tell us, use your body language. What's that all about? Absolutely. So I believe the statistic is 70% is not what we say, but how we say it, which is our body language. Mm. So when I'll give the basic example, when I'm talking to my son and he's not looking at me, he's all over the place. What it, what it tells me without him telling me is I ain't listening to mama. <laughs> so what I will do is I say, well, well, dear son, how do I know you're listening to me? So he's trained now. He says, because I'm looking at you with my eyes. Yes. I'm listening with my eyes, right? So when we think about body language and we want to opt out of discomfortable conversations or things that we don't want to participate in, sometimes we don't even have to open our mouth. Mm. We could be looking away and Ramon is telling me something that I don't want to participate in. I'm looking away mm. and Ramon is thinking, oh, well, okay. Cause then you're going to start noticing that I'm, I'm looking, but I'm looking away. And then you're going to start thinking about what you're saying and it kind of prompts somebody. Yes. Or if you're in a group setting, you can turn your back, you can turn your shoulder. I mean, so you can use your body to communicate with you. And again, it doesn't have to be rude, right? but it, it's, it's sending a message. Cause if you're talking to me and you're seeing me looking around mm -hmm. and occasionally I'm glancing at you, you're thinking, okay, she has something to do. She's mm -hmm. not paying attention. And you may respond to that, or depending on our closeness, you may be, you may say, well, what's going on? I don't think you're listening to me. <laughs> and then that's my opportunity to say, you know what? This, this is a conversation that makes me feel un yes. uncomfortable, right? So that can lead in many, many different ways, but yes. our bodies speak volumes. And if we don't realize it subconsciously in our unconscious, we're sending that message anyway. Yes. So think about, any, and even in intimate personal relationships, most of the time when people are coming in on my couch on some level, form or fashion, we're talking about body language. She rolled her eyes when I'm talking to her. She's looking away. She's making this face. Oh, look at her right now, Dr. Jenny. She's making that face. Yes, yes. And I don't know what that face means, but he knows what that face right. is. Saying. You're, I'm uninterested. I'm not listening to you. You're full of crap, whatever it may be. Yes. So she's reading something into his body language that I'm not because of the frame of reference. So our body language, my point is, is very powerful. Yes. Do you have cameras or microphones in the Ray household or are we just a common family? <laughs> <laughs> Probably a common family. <laughs> I, and by the way, I'm curious, can these be used in combination? It seems to me, Dr. Janie, that the used body language possibly, I'm just, again, could be used if I was doing that thoughtfully and had some practice, that I could then come back and say, Dr. Janie, why'd you say that to me? Is that a doable, that you could turn that around and nicely then say something? Is that happen or does that make sense absolutely okay. so part of it and this is key is that we can't use these tips to be manipulating to I people agree. that we know yes. it's usually to really protect ourselves. okay we protect our mental health to have boundaries our boundaries is not to manipulate other people but to protect our space so in combination we can use all of those things if we're thoughtful and if we're also being considerate of the person we're speaking to we're treating them the way we'd want to be treated with dignity and respect but we have a boundary that I'm not going to participate in gossiping conversations because that's not my principle and that's not my my value system. Got it. And the fifth one, this was a short one. Again, we were looking here at uh, you know some uh, content we have that summarized some what Dr. Janie shared earlier, and it says here stop inappropriate comments in their tracks. And as I'm reading this, other ones had paragraphs and paragraphs. <laughs> this has about ten words in it, Dr. Janie. Why is this so brief? Yeah, tell us about this. What does this mean? It's so brief. You know, I've been in several situations 
even in professional situations where people are making inappropriate comments based off of people's race, based off of people's religion. It can be jokes. Sometimes, as especially as a woman still today, people can make um, sexual jokes and, sure. and it's more societally accepted. Yeah. So to stop inappropriate comments in their tracks is exactly that, is you're not coming back with energy that's aggressive or these types of things, but you can say sometimes simple as that, well, this is an inappropriate conversation and I'm saying it with a smile. Okay. But I'm letting people know that this is an inappropriate conversation, yeah. right? And I can't believe you said that. Really? Is that how you view women? Yeah. Wow. I don't think all Black men are that yeah. way, right? Yeah. So you are addressing it, but you do it in a way that your tone is not saying, I'm coming with you the full guns a blazing. Right. It's to say that I'm holding you accountable for what you're saying, but I'm still going to do it. And I'm going to give you dignity and I'm going to give you more grace than you even deserve in yeah. most cases. <laughs> and it seems like, Dr. Janie, that most all of these things are all said with grace. Even this one, which I would call, let me see what the last one is. Yeah, well, okay, these, the next one is similar-ish, but where I would call the nuclear option is said with grace. It seems to me that most average human, but again, you've dealt with this a lot more than I have, is a decent person. And you don't have to use violence, your hands or scream or anything, but most, the average person, you, especially family, you come across the elevator, any of these tools, average person will get something. Is that a fair assumption of what I'm hearing? Yes. What I what I encounter, Ramon, is that when we look at these six tips, is that if people are in abusive relationships or they have a trauma background that they have not yet addressed, this may sound simple to you and I, you know, mm. but for some people, this sounds very difficult because okay. they cannot necessarily talk in a way that expresses their feelings when they have built up anger, they have built up resentment, they have all these things. They can't say, well, Ramon... You know, this is an inappropriate conversation. No, they're going to come with you with yes. all the stuff that's pent up in them, which is another conversation of how to deal with difficult people mm -hmm. in a whole different way. So these are tips that if we have a level of awareness, a level of consciousness, and we have some basic levels of communication, we can employ this right, to, right as soon as we anyone is done listening to us. But a lot of times, and, and I don't want to miss it, but a lot of times if we have more healing work to do to know that I deserve this, mm. that I have self-worth that I deserve to be able to protect my mental space. I deserve to be able to address things when they put me in a situation that make me uncomfortable. I deserve to be able to address things that are inappropriate without being aggressive, without being mean, without attacking someone's character, right? To be able to do that, I do believe we have to have some level of self-awareness and consciousness because I deal with professionals, you know, especially from a couple standpoint, they're professional, yeah. High degreed people, yeah. you know, making lots of money and they can kill it in their industry and have no problem communicating with other people. But when they come in the couch in front of me, yes. it's like the eight and the 10 year old show up. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And we're going to get to number six here. But Dr. Jane, I'd love for you one more time just to share with who you work with, any websites or things like that before we get to number six. And also to remind people, I think as you're saying, if we don't do these things, Dr. Janie, I find that this is where you get into non-civility or whatever you call where there's not anarchy is too big of a word probably but where there's war again i go to church in 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 a in a very urban city i'll put it that way to train and some other things there's been fights and some grimy stuff happening this is not the situation people are using these kind of words so i think for most of us though if you start to use these words like this we live in a better world you don't have to resort to you know, other things. But Dr. Janie, feel free to comment on that if you wish. And then one more time, remind us how to reach you, who you serve. Feel free before we get to tip number six. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we're talking about 
from a healthy standpoint, everyone has problems, but we're not talking about trauma. We're not talking about things that um, we need to address those things before we can even address effective uh, communication. So people can find me at JanieLacy.com, J-A-N-I-E-L-A-C-Y.com. Any on, on all, any social media, Janie Lacy or Dr. Janie Lacy. Um, and I have a womanredeemed.club community. And this is an online community for Women in particular, I've had a few men that inquired about joining, but it's a space for women who want to heal from toxic relationships and to really thrive. And toxic relationship doesn't necessarily mean it's romantic. It could be with parents. It could be with siblings. It could be with that friend that betrayed you in fifth grade that has scarred you for life and you don't trust women anymore. Or it can be with the boss. Or most importantly, it could be with yourself. So it's a community of women that are like-minded, that are on the path of healing because they truly want to thrive in life and whatever that means to them. And we do a variety of different things. We have a monthly Zoom. We do a master class. We do a book club. And most importantly, getting the women connected with um, each other because at the beginning of the year, we do accountability, um, assign them to get accountable with uh, one other person of their choosing, right? And the groups get so big, you can't control that. But to choose someone that they can relate to that they can check in with outside, because I do believe when we have people that we can trust and that are on the same journey of healing, it just is a, it's relationships, healthy relationships are so healing to all of us because we don't have healthy relationships. We stay in our own built prison. I love it. That's so true, so true. And again, I, I'm happy to say I've referred my friends and others to Dr. Jenny Lacey's resources as well. So I encourage you all listening to this to do so. It may not be something for you or you think it's not for you, but I bet there's somebody in your life who needs these resources. All right, last but not least, I have this little sound machine here, Dr. Janie. I'm tempted to press the button and get, it'll probably be the wrong sound. Then my editor will have to edit it. So I'm not going to press the button, but last one is nip interrupters in the butt or in the bud, uh, my team typed this <laughs> up. Either way works, butter butt, but nip interrupters. What's that all about and how can this be, how can this tool be used? Well, we're either gonna be the interrupter or we're the one that's usually getting interrupted. <laughs> so what that means is when you think about that framework, you're talking to somebody and you can't even, most people think about it in terms of romantic relationships, mm -hmm. but you can't even get your point out. Someone's already assuming what you're saying, they're interrupting you or they're kind of one-upping in the sense of mm -hmm. you said, I've gone skiing and you know, at, at Park City, they're like, well, I've gone skiing on the Swiss Alps, right? <laughs> so they're interrupting you. So this can come in many forms or fashion, but the key is if you are on the receiving end of that is you wanna be able to not enable them by just you stopping and going ahead and going with what they're saying. Again, this is all about holding dignity, being respectful, but also walking in your self-worth where you can tell them, well, let me finish my point and I'll be glad to hear what you have mm. to say. Do you, do you mind if I finish my point? Did you see how nice that was, Ramon? <laughs> I did. And, and the only option for regular nice people is, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Dr. let's hear what you have to say. Sorry, Dr. Jenny. Right, exactly. Exactly. If you do it respectfully, kind, and you do it with the way that is not trying to be aggressive about it, most people are like, oh, I guess I was interrupting you because you're gently letting them know that, hey, you just interrupted me without saying, hey, you interrupted me, you know, because people sometimes can be aggressive with that. Well, and I get obviously on my side of the street and couples counseling, you see, she didn't even let me finish my sentence. This is what I got to deal with. I get, and then she wants to hear my feelings. I'm not going to share my feelings because every time I share my feelings, Dr. Lacey, this is what happens. She wants to correct me, change my reality, blah, blah, and then he shuts down. <laughs> That's yes. not what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. It seems like you've done this before, Dr. Jenny. It's not your first uh, uh, time talking about this. That's just my guess. <laughs> not not my first rodeo. <laughs> yes. Dr. Danny, this has been absolutely amazing. And again, I've been glad to get to know you <laughs> over the past few months. So 
Thank anything I didn't ask you. Let me come to a close. Anything I didn't ask you, anything you wanted to say before we conclude this discussion, which has been so, so good. I think the most important thing is that we realize that the most important person in the room that shows up is ourself. Mm. Because what people are going to remember is the good old Maya Angelou saying is they're going to remember how they felt in our presence. So if we take that philosophy, even when we are protecting our mental health, we're protecting our boundaries, our values and our principles, and we treat people, I want to be able to tell someone that they're interrupting me, but I also want them to feel good about it. Mm. <laughs> if we look at it from that standpoint, because what's going to happen, and I remember the most important time where I saw someone employ a boundary in front of me that I didn't think about until I was in the car. It was a boss. It was years ago, a boss. In the back of my mind at the time, I was aggressive. I'm like, why don't he put that person in their place? He, he was the head physician. Mm -hmm. Another physician was coming at him. And he said a few words and I was driving home, Ramon. And I remember, I'm like, he cursed him out with a smile on his face that I didn't even think about this because he did it so pleasantly. I didn't even notice it, right? I'm joking about the cursing out, but he had, he had a boundary yes. that was so pleasant that most people saw the reaction that the other person sh shut themselves down, but he did it in a way in that moment, I said, wow, you don't have to be aggressive. And here I am telling him he needs to have a backbone in my head. But I'm like, I wanna be like him when I grow up one day. And guess what, Ramon, I'm grown up. <laughs> this is where the applause, say, I got it. You know what, I'm gonna try Let's see what happens here. Oh, that's right. I'm not on my sound machine, anyways. Uh -huh. That was a that was a total epic failing forward. But hey, it's fine. Uh, but Dr. Jenny, that, this is, that awesome. is my point. That is my point. It's just we can do things yeah. and think about how people would feel when they walk away from us. Yeah. No, I love it. You're right, and I think that that's that's something I must say I need to work on because isn't it so easy, Dr. Janie, to want to fire back? Dr. Janie interrupted me, said the unkind thing to me, or any of the six things we talked about. And, and I guess it's what self defense or whatever it is. Fire back. I have to cut her because I feel she cut me. But you don't have to do that. And then you can leave, I guess, we're both smiling at each other and both friends. Like you gave the example of the doctor. Both are in the car. Both now can leave. And the other gentleman or lady, whoever it may be, has a sense of self-worth, I guess, but but feels checked in a good way. Yes. Maybe they're going to be better the next time. And the person who checked them, my point is both can be uplifted. I think it's... Absolutely. And you walk away and you're respected and you gave respect. Yes. Important. Listen, Dr. Daniel Lacey, thanks for being here with Ramon Ray in the Rundown with Ramon. I hope you join us again. And everybody who's listening, my name is Ramon Ray. You can get to know me better at RamonRay.com and all the platforms. Just Google Ramon Ray. But it's not Enye, not Y, not Ramon, not Ramoncito, just Ramon Ray. Thanks for listening to The Rundown with Ramon.